Hey, Peppin. Yo, 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 yo. That's a lot of yo's, Nate. I don't know if that many yo's is appropriate. Wait, like, legally appropriate or, like, culturally appropriate? Like, culturally, I mean, both nowadays, but culturally appropriate, definitely. I feel like there's some sort of a taboo against saying yo, 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 yo six times. That is true. I mean, people do kind of look at me strange when I do that, and I am kind of outcast for that thing, and I, I feel discriminated against yeah and i mean sometimes it's appropriate like in this situation but i guess other times there's things that i feel are taboo that maybe shouldn't be taboo and something that shouldn't be taboo is talking because i think this is something we need to talk about Uh, you had something good there and then you ruined it Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with the indisputable king of the candle, Nathan Pepin. How's it going, Nate? Uh, going good, going good. Uh, just so people know, this candle has been on many podcasts, not just this podcast, and it's very important. It is. Is it? Is that apple? Uh, apple pie, actually. Apple pine? Pie. Pie. Oh, apple pie. Like 3.14595. 6258. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> That's all the ones I know. Y'all are good. Oh, speaking of good, here we have our special guest back once again after a year break. Gideon. How's it going, Gideon? I'm doing great. Best described as good. <laughs> Best described as good. Well, I'm glad we have that description down to a T. Where the heck have you been? Um, You know... Was it the lack of an invite back that kept you? Mainly. <laughs> well, fair <laughs> enough. Well, glad we changed that. Because yeah. uh, it's actually, we, we've missed you, that's for sure. I, I missed you guys. It was refreshing to come back here. Pretty much every week we said, oh, we should get getting back on the podcast. And then we didn't. <laughs> oh, I was ecstatic to get the message and the invite. At this right here, unless we for some reason post these out of order, is episode 52 and since we do this once a week and there's 52 weeks in a year my math says that is our one year podcast right here and we have back with us the first guest we ever had on the shitbag supreme himself gideon hiya was that a woo or a boo i can never quite tell it was a woo the the, uh the reverb makes kind of sound like a little little boo well, exciting times. So I think it's only appropriate. Our show is is characterized by the fact that we talk about things that a lot of other people don't like to talk about. And we're willing to say things that other people aren't willing to say. Uh, and I think that's important. I think that's kind of the the whole point behind us saying we need to talk is that you should be able to talk about what what you feel. And, and, and that is what it is. And I think it's kind of the perfect topic to talk about taboos on this show. Mm, t- taboos are weird because it's something we don't... It's not something you think about consciously, but it's there in your head. So an instance I think about a bit is, you know, people are free to get whatever kind of tattoos or whatever they want done to their bodies. But if a guy came in to, you know, see your house, or, in a sense, see your house. Like, wait, 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 with a gun. Was this, was this invited in, or he just, like, comes into my house? Because the tattoos aren't the big problem here. Okay, w- w- let's say you see a that guy. That is taboo. Yes. <laughs> with a gun, and he starts yelling at you. No. Let's say you see a guy on the street, and he kind of looks at you, and you look out at him, and... You see the whites of his eyes. You know where to be white. It's just black, and his whole eyes is black. Mm-hmm. See, that's kind of taboo because you know people are usually okay with tattoos to some degree. Tattoos are kind of taboo with certain things, but uh, getting your whites of your eyes tattooed black is super taboo. Is that a thing? Yes. Uh, why don't you just wear contacts? Uh. I don't know if it was a thing back then, but I think it's more permanent. So this this one guy, there's a documentary on him. He got the white of his eye tattooed, and it, it's really, really freaky looking. 
It's and you look at him, you're kind of like, ugh. And you can say there's nothing wrong with getting your white spirit eyes tattooed because it's your body, it's your life, you know, blah blah blah. But you know, people who get that done, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Um, I mean, I, I feel like there is something wrong with them. That's just not normal. I mean, I, I know, like, I don't know if that captures taboo as well as, like, that's just so, so far out of the ordinary that uh, it's striking. I, I mean, I feel like it's more taboo now to say that that guy is, has, like, that that's fucked up than it is to like not say that i feel like nowadays saying something is taboo in itself is taboo yeah yeah like his personal expression exactly like oh he has he has the right to do that like i'm not saying he doesn't i'm just saying it's fucked up like look at him you're gonna call him fucked up (laughs) you've got a visceral response from looking at Mm -hmm. him that's i think that's fucked up not saying he shouldn't do it not saying it's not his right but nowadays we have to say stuff like that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that. Like, and that in itself is, has made pretty much everything and nothing taboo simultaneously. Yep, yep. Just like uh, it's it's almost uh, taboo to call someone out like that. Absolutely, and to be like that's that's really weird. Like, oh, what do you mean by weird? No, it's just stop it. Like, <laughs> let, let me try and explain myself. All right, Nathan has now showed up, a, pulled up a picture. Of this man with face tattoos, a couple of them, and he definitely has very, very black eyes. It looks like he had brown eyes to begin with, but it looks like, like, you know when, when you go in the pool, in a chlorine pool, and you you uh, swim around with your eyes open, and then your eyes, they come out really cloudy? It's like that, only if the cloudiness was black. That's the best description I can give uh, verbally. I immediately thought of like Chronicles of Riddick, for sure. For sure, he, I can I can get. I guess that. like his become all white though, mm-hmm. like a reverse Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, it's interesting what you guys are saying though, because where I saw this guy uh, and this whole ph- phenomenon of tattooing your eyes is on a show called Taboo, and talked about kind of social kind of uh, not abnormalities because defining what a taboo is exactly is a little strange. It's more like something that's not supposed to be done, like on a people believe on a social level, and so this this was like kind of an older show, like maybe twenty years old now, maybe fifteen. I don't qu- quite know, but the culture has moved in a place where it's now taboo to question people and their uh, motives as far as their body goes. So they make a choice about their body, and you don't agree with it. It's kind of taboo to question that and to say that that's that's kind of stupid or it doesn't make any sense or call it wrong or call it wrong. Yeah. Which is which is interesting because uh, that whole show might be a little uh, little interesting or one taboo thing for us, you know, which is something accepted in another culture. This was also on the show. Is uh, some place in I think I feel like it's Africa. I don't know where exactly. Maybe it's India. Like uh, girls put these uh, these metal kind of uh, neck rings, necklaces. They're not like necklaces because they're more like rings around their neck. And then, you know, they keep putting more and more under them as time goes on and it kind of lengthens her neck mm-hmm. and it will stretch her neck out. And some of these girls will have like huge, huge, long kind of like giraffe like necks. And it's very, very strange. And if we start someone doing that here, that'd be like, like they need to stop doing that. That That's, that's messed up. They can't be doing that here. Uh, I think the contemporary taboo there is like cultural appropriation. So, so that's the that's the uh, taboo in the United States right now. Yeah, like I think, uh, like we were saying before, it's like, well, we shouldn't question that. It's the right to do with their body what they wish. Uh, but I think they'll they'd more get lambasted, like, oh, why are you stealing the African culture? Like that's so you know almost um, like novelty. They get upset at them treating other cultures like novelty. Right. So that'd be in the case of somebody say moving from say not, not moving. So if someone wasn't from that culture doing it here, that would be like, like just kind of copying, like say like, like uh, I think they're called weeboos people from Japan, like people who really love Japanese things and stuff. And they start trying to become kind of Japanese, which is weird. I can understand having a lot of appreciation for a culture, 
but taking it that far is a little strange. To actually, like, trying to become a part of that culture? Uh, I mean, it, it's, it go, yeah, I, I, I guess. Is that not the idea of of a culture anyway? Is that it's self-propagating and that it, it's like, it's a me- the meme of the culture itself wants to replicate itself, so why is it bad to take from somebody else's culture and continue that culture on just because you're not derived from that culture if you identify with it yeah that's kind of the argument against cultural appropriation and i i'm i'm in favor of that sort of argument because i think culture is a or i would claim culture is a collection of memes and these memes replicate because not memes like internet memes but memes like uh just general ideas and thoughts and things so this collection of uh, different things, memes, which replicate over time, and they replicate because they're interesting, because they have value, or maybe they're just entertaining to people, and or sexy like giraffe necks, or or, or, or se- sexy, or and maybe it's one of those things like uh, when giraffe necks type things, like you know how many rings can you go? Like the meme is, you know, not not necessarily the giraffe neck, but how long can we stretch out a neck, mm-hmm. and who can be you know does a you know comp- competition there. So I think the fact that memes replicate beyond the intended, maybe not intended, the uh, geographical region that they uh, originated in, I think is to be expected. I mean, it's like, uh, what the fuck was it? Back in the day, when 4chan first kind of was a thing, LOL cats were like super popular in like, uh, you know, the this small internet community. I, I was big into LOL cats or, or LOL cats. You were call. huge into LOL cats. But nobody understood it. Nobody understood. You remember that, Steve? Oh, I remember. You were obsessed with LOL cats. People made fun of me. People made fun of you for everything, but that was bad. Yeah. It was a very sad time in your life. And and, and then, like, years, years and years later, LOL cats were just, like, the common day kind of thing. Oh, my God, you see, this is so funny. Like, oh, my God. Like, like all the high school girls were kind of showing it to each other. And then you were a reluctant king. Past your time. Pretty much. Like, I... So, you could say this meme started in the, uh, you know, the the dregs of the internet, 4chan. Mm. And then it had potential, but nobody was exposed to it. And it's kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? So, kind of being into those kind of things was kind of taboo. I'm like, what the fuck is this little weird thing you're just, what is this mm-hmm. being about? And then as soon as it gets popular, as soon as that meme kind of expands into the greater culture, then it's kind of just like, oh yeah, you, you don't know what this is? Yeah, this is a, a wallcat. Isn't this funny? I can add cheeseburger. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you as an original person is like, fuck you. Fuck you. How dare you take my culture, <laughs> appropriate it for your own stupid uses. Culture of wells. <laughs> My 4chan culture, turn it into your Tumblr culture. Gross. But uh, part part of, I think, what makes something taboo is there's a sort of dynamic of, like, in-group and out-group. Yeah. So let's say baptism. So baptism is, like, kind of seen as a sacred rite and, say, lots of different religions, but particularly Christianity and Catholicism. Catholicism, maybe more so. You know, Catholicism is kind of a sect of Christianity, you could say. But, but uh, if someone who wasn't a Catholic, who had no interest in you know religion or anything, wanted to get baptized, like that would kind of be seen as an infringement on the sacred institution of Catholicism. It would be kind of taking the whole kind of ritual of baptism and just shitting on it in a way, or that's how it'd be perceived at least. Oh, you mean like how gays getting married <laughs> to horses is shitting on? No, gays getting divorced is taboo. You can get married, but you can't get divorced. <laughs> hmm. Do you think that's how, like, kind of uh, people who are, let's say, not say homophobic, but say against gay marriage, kind of view it like a taboo? It's kind of like. They, I guess that's what they say. They're you're desanctifying the. I don't know. Well, that's their claim. It's strange when like divine beliefs are involved. I mean, if there's any truth to it or not, is irrelevant. I guess it depends on the culture. But does taboo refer to religious belief? 
It can. So a lot of taboos are in breaking religious beliefs, or they are in uh, invalidating them. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think. Butt sex before marriage. But, yeah, butt sex before marriage. There used to be these uh, these witch trials that happened back in the Middle Ages. And I was listening to a podcast about them, and uh, they looked through the records, and they found a lot of people were actually let off. They actually passed the, the trials. And they're trying to figure out how they passed. And what they ended up discovering was uh, a lot of these trials were kind of... Uh, kind of like lie detectors essentially like there there was a trick to them so one for instance was i don't know what it was so, so let's say there's a boiling pot of water and the person is supposed to dip their hand in it and then take it out and if there's you know scolding wounds on there they are a witch if there's not then god has kind of spared them and sanctified them so what they kind of thought from this is that you know the pastor who would be doing the thing he can actually set it up so that uh, sometimes when you really thought the person was guilty, he could have it be scolding hot, you know, uh, water to burn the guy and then have the guy go to prison, you know, get his dues. But if he wanted to kind of have someone not be imprisoned, if he thought someone was innocent, which was most people, I guess, uh, he would have the water be kind of hot, but not like burning hot, so that when they put it in, they would actually pass the test and, you know, God's will would be kind of, uh, kind of displayed. So there's a lot of trickery there, but where the taboo is, is the priest would be have to be conducting this ritual of testing people because he would have the connection with God. If somebody else who was not in the position of the priest was conducting this test, it would be seen as taboo because they would be invalidating that proposition there. And it would be invalidating the authority of the church, which is why... I think Catholicism and certain other religions have this kind of hierarchy hierarchy to them because if other people have a direct communication with God or say they're spiritual uh, hires, then this will kind of uh, cause issues, cause friction between the hierarchy. I, I think that was a problem with uh, with Jesus because Jesus was just some kind of random guy off the streets, and all the priests were like, "No, we we, we know what God is and we know what He wants and stuff." and so what he was doing was taboo because he was talking about, you know, having connection with God and knowing what he wanted. Being a messiah. Yeah, being, being a messiah. Though there's many messiahs back then, so <laughs> life of Brian, that's, that's, a good, that's pretty accurate. So uh, what nowadays is taboo where we've, our culture, I feel, has, has kind of diverged into a split between those who are, who are like strict fundamentalist religion and then everybody, and then the other half who's just kind of do what you want to do, everybody. Like, you do you, and I'll do me, and then people who want to press on them. Like, I, I feel like nowadays, there's not really much that's taboo, and by taboo, just, like, not not appropriate to talk about ever, anywhere. I've got a I've got an interesting one. Um, it's still kind of taboo to just... Um, this is inspired by... My daughter, uh, it's taboo to just go up to someone and ask them their their full name, like ask someone for their first and last name. Oh, or asking a woman for her weight. Yeah, yeah. Like some of those things are like taboo because it's like, why do you want to know my last name? Like mm. that's kind of creepy. Mm. Um, but like in the case of a child, like um, you know, I see these people who are still taken aback by that. Some people answer happily, um, but some people still have that. Uh, I guess, taboo reaction, like, why do you want to know my last name? What are you trying to find out about me? That's that's true, yeah, yeah. Because I don't ask people for their first and last name, but if I were to, they'd kind of be, like, very... like Exactly, it, it turns very awkward. Hmm. So when people are trying to, to protect their identity in some way, like, uh, if you ask me for my social security number, I'm going to give you that. I mean, it's like, I don't know, the first and last name, it's, it's, it's an interesting example because Social Security is something you should protect. First and last name, it's something, uh, it's not clear you should protect it. You're a first and last name whore. Yeah. <laughs> Just giving it out to everybody around. <laughs> I mean, everyone you meet. Full name prostitution. Like, yeah, maybe that was a hot girl, so you can give her your full name, but what about grandma, huh? <laughs> 
I saw that 90-year-old come in the other day to your store, and you're just like, hey, I'm Nate Pevin. I, I think that a lot of times, like, taboos are, at least, I think in our culture, it's more like social taboos, like uh, things which break convention. So I, I used to do some of this kind of stuff to Steve. Like, uh, oh, now we're getting personal. He's never getting personal. I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, sometimes we'd come over to my house, like, when, uh, we were younger. Like, uh, like, this is before high school, I think. Maybe a little after during high school. I don't know. I'd, I'd see you coming. So you're about to go knock on the door and then knock on the door from the inside. No, don't remember that. Okay. So I'd knock on the door from the inside, mm-hmm. you know, which doesn't make any sense logically. And this kind of breaks social convention. And I think you'd just kind of be like, oh, yeah, that's Pepin. But if I did that to ever the other people, it'd just be like, what the fuck is... I, like, they'd just be, like, disturbed a little bit. Well, I was disturbed, but I just knew it was a peppin' thing. <laughs> I was used to being disturbed. Uh, I, I think, let's say you were to go for a handshake, and you grab their wrist. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the wrist is pretty close to the hand, so it's not that big of a difference, but... That would just, like, really freak the fuck someone out. Or hugging someone, like, the first time you meet them. Hmm. That would be taboo. If, if you're a woman, it's a different story. Although, I mean, I guess even more specific, if you're, like, a, a male just hugging, like, some random woman that you're meeting, it's kind of, that's taboo. Um, I, I don't know. Depends I, on the, I, the context, I think. <laughs> I hug everyone I meet. Walmart. <laughs> going, dumping my trash out. Let's give a big hug. <laughs> There's certain questions we don't ask people because we know, like, like we don't, like, I, I think the, we have, like, a person at my store now who's from another country, and their culture is a bit different than our culture. What country? Uh, Kazakhstan. Okay. And something she's a little, conf- well, not confused about, but she's a little, like, abrasive about is... We ask a lot of questions. We try to get to know people a lot more. Whereas in her country, like, you kind of keep to yourselves a bit more. Mm. Like, maybe with your friends and stuff, you kind of talk about that kind of stuff. But, you know, like, I, I was asking her about her languages and stuff like that. And she, she knows a bunch. And she was a bit, like, kind of like, why, why are you guys talking to me? Why are you asking these questions? This is kind of weird. Like, I was getting too personal for her. Mm. For me, that's very surface level kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, I, th- I think in one of our episodes, uh, I think Chelsea was, in, in, the, in the art episode, I think it was, or language, in the language episode, Chelsea was talking about how she was in some place, Dutch thing, Norwegian. <laughs> some <laughs> Dutch thing. Some Dutch thing. Yeah, got it. But hot Norwegian guys, they said that... Probably in Norway. <laughs> <laughs> Just a guess. <laughs> so these hot Norwegian guys, they, like she said, oh, hey, how's it going? And they got kind of offended and she's like, well, why, why are you guys offended? And she's like, well, why are you, why are you like going so much into my life here? That's, that's, it's like, well, no, it's, it's just a greeting. Like, I don't actually want to know how you're doing. Like, I don't really care how yeah. you're doing. So, so, so there's that kind of convention and kind of going beyond that little convention. You know, it like you just say, well, or good, or eh. you don't you don't actually give them a real answer when you ask that. And going beyond that's kind of like, ugh. Yeah, I hate when people are like, oh, not too well, man. Then I got to be like, fuck, why? <laughs> and then have a whole fucking conversation with them. Like, just, taboos got me down. God damn, where did my taboos go? <laughs> where have all my taboos gone? Is sex still taboo? I think it depends on... I think with the younger generation, it's not. But it kind of is still. Because I went to the to the dog park the other day, and they, they have these little kid swings, and I'm trying to talk about sex. No <laughs> one wants to talk. <laughs> okay. D- I mean, dogs can't really speak, so. <laughs> well, maybe not to you. You gotta be be able to listen with more than just your ears. I think. I, I think a lot about. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> sex with animals is taboo. Uh-huh, that's true. Depending there, on the animal. There's a good, like... I, I've done a little bit of research into that. Because it's not clear to me if it should be immoral or moral, or if it, ethical or not. Is it more ethical to have sex with a chimpanzee than a guinea pig? Well, a lot of ethics are based on morality, too. It, it's it's hard to know... A lot of taboo. Yeah. Is. I mean, is it so... Okay, so sex with animals could definitely be taboo. 
in, in certain states, are it's not illegal. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of a gray area there. And but if he starts one fucking their dog, you'd be like, what the f- what the fuck? <laughs> like like it's definitely taboo to do. Yeah, and and I guess the morality to me is more ambiguous is if they're doing it to the animal or if the animal's doing it to them. Because mm. are they really uh, abusing the animal? If they're just letting the mm, animal give it to the animals getting off. Yeah, the animals consenting. I guess if he's there is a bill in New Hampshire, which uh, I, I read this, this article. Well, it was it was a clickbait article and said something like uh, farmers in New Hampshire want to uh, uh, they they are petitioning against a bestiality bill or anti bestiality bill rather. And so it kind of makes it sound like the farmers want to have sex with their animals. And they're like, holy farmers. <laughs> oh, did that have to do with, like, jerking horses off? Uh, pretty much. So almost the vast majority of animals on farms are – they're not they're – not, uh, they're not bred, you know, by actually having them fuck each other. Rather, artificially inseminated. I mean, it's – with certain species, like, say, turkeys – it's to the point where 99% of turkeys are artificially inseminated. Like farm turkeys. Yeah, farm turkeys. Virgin like, uh, turkeys. Like <laughs> Some guys just out there, like, inseminating wild turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's somebody's job. It's, Johnny it's Turkey called... Seed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, man, it's amazing. Animal husbandry has come <laughs> such a long way. <laughs> reason why they turkeys have to be artificially inseminated is because the way they bred them is you know they want the breast to be super super big and so they bred you know turkeys with bigger and bigger breasts like humans but yeah like like humans and it's to the point where they can't copulate anymore like the penis can't stretch that far i think they have penises might be a cloaca but let's say it's a penis either way it's hot bigger and bigger dicks speaking of dicks you know what's also taboo Dicks, dicks going into relatives' dicks, incest. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> brother on brother incest. It's called docking. <laughs> well, doesn't that have to have to do with foreskin? And that's not really going into their dick. I, I I've heard about it. I don't really understand it, but I know it's like dicks going to dicks. I don't understand it, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about. We've talked about uh, incest many, many a time. Usually we're talking about the Greeks when we're talking about incest. I mean, this is how we got our start, so we got to bring it full circle. Full, full circle. Did the Greeks do a lot of incest? Um, the gods did. Yeah. The Greek gods. Yeah, that's true. But is it really? In- yeah, I guess it was incest. Yeah. Are Adam and Eve the only ones to ever not be incestual? Because that's uh, just like masturbation, right? Yeah, but all their brothers and sisters had incest. Mm-hmm. Right, but Adam and Eve are the only ones who ever didn't, because if they were the first two, everybody else comes from them, and they're technically related. Oh, yeah. That's well, true, yeah. Adam and Eve, but Eve came from Adam, so it's like Adam was just masturbating. Yeah. How many generations removed before it's not incest? Two. <laughs> I just decided I know, right now. I know from personal experience. <laughs> there's there's a girl in my uh, my high school class who was super, super Christian. And she had a whole book and everything, and I think the book had the best argument I've ever heard for explaining the whole, like, incest thing, explaining it away with Christianity, which is, it even used genetics. So the argument's this, God, or Adam and Eve were made in God's image. God is perfect. Therefore, Adam and Eve had perfect genes. 99.99999. Oh, no, 100% perfect. What? So okay. when when they had sex and their children had sex, like they're no problem because there's no conflicts with the genes. But over time, you know the the uh, you know the world's not actually perfect that they're put in. So the genes started decaying and started mutating and having issues. And these issues started creating these kind of uh, issues with birth defects and all this kind of stuff. So the whole issues with genetic stuff came out of this time and uh, physics not being perfect and stuff and. Maybe if you're going to get all moralistic, maybe uh, immorality is kind of causing the genetic line to kind of falter. Way to go, God. You fucked up mm, physics and yeah. screwed up our genes. I mean, to me, that that's as, uh, it's imperfect right at the get-go if it's like a penetrable gene, right? 
I mean, uh, to me, that just de- deconstructs the whole argument. It's like, well, if they were perfect genes, they'd be able to withhold the... <sighs> That's why I said 99.999, but yeah. Nate shot me down. Yeah, well, they have to be perfect because God is perfect. Though in yeah. his image, yeah. that doesn't mean it's the same thing. Yeah, I guess why would God have a belly button? Killing people in the name of God is taboo. <laughs> no, that's like that's like the oldest tradition of Christianity. <laughs> you talking about? It used to not be. Since when? Like the Inquisition, like a lot of people were just okay with, I suppose. Yeah, so that's not taboo. It's never been taboo, in my opinion. Well, it is taboo now. Uh, now, like, if, like, some, like, I don't know, like, crazy, crazy guy goes into, uh, you know, a Wendy's and starts stabbing people and says, God told me to do it. Is he white? Because uh, if he's white, it's okay. <laughs> so going back Half to incest. <laughs> Yo, get, let's, go, let's get off this hot topic, guys, and let's go back to incest. <laughs> Even hotter, right? <laughs> Way hotter. <laughs> Way hotter topics. So, so let's let's say that there are two brothers, right? And they're you know they have to hot for each other, and you know they they have quite a bit of sex. Now, <laughs> that that I can't see as being okay in my head. But is there really anything anything wrong with it? Because well, that's because you're they aren't procreating. Yeah, there's. A... I mean, they they can't they can't create any offspring. You can say two girls as well. You meet two girls like they can't create any offspring or you say a guy with a vasectomy and his uh, sister or his maybe his mother or something or a guy with a condom well mm-hmm. condoms are 90 what was it 90 98 uh, effective guy with a condom while the girl's taking birth control okay so that, that's all enough so there there's the main issue like i would have with it is chance of creating an offspring which has uh, a lot of mental handicaps but if that's removed it doesn't make make it quite make it all right, but still kind of fucked up. Well, are you saying that people with mental handicaps shouldn't procreate with each other? Because that's going to pretty much guarantee them to have somebody, a child with a mental handicap? Uh, yes, uh, it's... Is it against the law? Uh, I think it is. Because uh, I know if... I'm, I'm pretty sure if people have certain... Oh, God, are we going back to this? Mm. <laughs> You're going to be like, well, well you got to get tested. Yeah, we Test got to fact check this. <laughs> Go on. Fact this again. Go on. Every time you're on, G, we fact check <laughs> it. <laughs> and now, now I'm questioning myself of the legality of it, because I'm not sure if they would charge you, but I know they wouldn't approve a marriage for two people, or they wouldn't condone having children. <clears throat> I mean, it's considered a psychological disorder. Incest. It is something in which evolution has attempted to protect against, because mm. uh, they've done all these studies and they find that, um, like, uh, what is it? If you you don't find the scent of your own brother or sister attractive, mm-hmm. like, does have people kind of take off, you know, get all sweaty and stuff, and have them kind of, uh, you know, let's say girls, you know, smell the uh, shirt of these guys and stuff, you know, heterosexual girls, and they find that the shirts of their brothers they don't find attractive at all. They're like, they find it repulsive. Yeah. And that's just generally true as well with this people in general because you, you might find some cousin out there mm-hmm. at some bar and stuff. You might think, oh, she's kind of hot. Then you get kind of closer and smell her. And like, mm-hmm. no, 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 they're not digging this. Oh, so that's why perfume was invented. Mm. So you can fuck your <laughs> sister. <laughs> <laughs> the animal kingdom seems pretty efficient at it too. Yeah, even bonobos. Uh, in all the studying they've done on bonobos, bonobos are okay. Bonobos, for people who don't know, are these these monkeys in this kind of uh, best area they could ever be. They have an easy life, and they fuck a lot. They you know lesbian sex, you know, homosexual, any, any kind of kind of sex, gang bangs. <laughs> but uh, all the cocky, all the good key keywords. Uh, the only kind of sex that doesn't occur is like uh, like between male and female relatives. Hmm. But so we got to introduce them. <laughs> we got to show quality of life. <laughs> show some perfume to these bonobos. <laughs> is our show taboo? <laughs> is... I think no. talking about incest in this kind of way is kind of taboo. Oh. Uh, uh, depending I, on your circle, I mean, being able to make fun of anything, I think should like I I don't have any problem with making fun of anything. Like, but is that in a way a form of racism to allow 
racist things to be said and find them funny? I think it's mocking the concept of racism. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So racism isn't funny. Racist jokes aren't funny. But mo- racist jokes that mock racism are funny. Yeah, it's the level of irony. Like, we can joke about, like, I mean, I'll, pulling away from race, because that's, like, kind of a hot card uh, in modern society. But, like, with incest, like, obviously we're laughing a lot about it because none of us here are incestual. Um, You know that for a fact? Well, I'm making the assumption, right? But okay, that's okay. it's that irony of it. Like, obviously, like, we aren't incest. And, like, this idea is, like, you know, twisted. And there's there's something off mentally um, is, is what makes it funny. For anyone who has seen It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, that, that's a show about awful people doing awful things to other people, essentially. Yeah. It, it's... it's uh, if you were to take this show seriously, it wouldn't be funny. You'd be thinking, "How the f- these are the most terrible people in the world ever. How could they be doing this, these things to these people?" But it's comical because it's acting. Because you understand they're at, they're not they're not actually doing this stuff to these people. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of realization that these people aren't actually terrible people, and this is just acting. That that's what makes it funny. So are we acting? Yeah. Well. <laughs> but but yeah i think that's that's a big part is like there's um uh i think when it comes to joking about race now is like there's for our generations and generations to come is like now racism is becoming like an absurdity i mean at, at least like in new england like in the deep south i know it's like there's some serious problems but you know in in most circles in our clan or extended clan oh, in new england here what a word <laughs> <laughs> you want to reword that or you're just gonna keep going I, I, you know. <laughs> in our group of people yes okay yeah oh that was the end kind of derailed me I fucked you up know. there with clan yeah no <laughs> Well, I mean, a lot of people say that the South, like, the the people there are, who are racist are outspoken about it. Mm-hmm. And then, then they come to somebody would come, like, say a black person would come to New England and they would still be treated, there would still, they're still racist people, but they're, they're not outspoken about it. So it's, in a way, it's more unsettling because mm-hmm. they're racist, but mm-hmm. they're doing it in, like, subtle little ways that are... You can't, like, call somebody out for being racist if they're being mostly racist. Like, yeah, like, did you see Get Out? No. Oh, it's like the, I wish I could have voted for Obama for a third term. Like, that kind of, like, offsetting racism. I, like, they're trying to compensate. Like, look how racist I'm not. Okay, so, oh, so, so okay. it's the idea that... Oh, wait. So, so wait, is it is it that the person thinks they're racist and is trying to offset their racism, or is it yeah, that... yeah, it's like that, and it comes off as like a more unsettling kind of racism, or, or like, I don't see color at all, you know. Actually, there could be two things going on there. There could be like I am racist. God, I shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> I'm taking that clip out of context. <laughs> it could be like I I am racist. I'm showing that to all your future employers. <laughs> I am racist, and I need to compensate for that racism by acting in a way which is not racist. Yes, exactly. Which is kind of you know th- that's a weird square to circle because then you're judging people on race, you know, making judgments upon someone's characteristics. But then there's the other one where it's you know I don't want to be perceived as racist, so I'm going to act in a way which will not make me perceive be perceived as racist. Yeah, and then it comes off as racist. Because in the very act, like, you're treating people disingenuinely. So, is the the biggest issue with racism is that you're treating people poorly who are another race, and you think they're inferior? Because is it not racism to do the opposite? Uh, I mean, I don't think you should compensate and go the other direction. I I, I think that, well, I'm an individual... I'm a liberal, in like a classical liberal in that kind of sense, where I think it's... I, th- there are studies which show, you know, certain races have certain, you know, probabilities, probabilistic traits. So, 
making generalizations based off those, or making, making predictions based off those are not inaccurate on, they say, a global population scale, like on thousands or millions of people. But when it comes to the individual, individuals are very diverse, and you want to make decisions or judgments based off the individual's kind of uh, appearance and their behaviors and their actions and their thoughts and what they say. So I think racism is kind of putting the... It's describing properties and behaviors and actions and it's anything to a class of people or to an individual which may not actually be accurate. Now, I do think that there are generalizations that you can't make based off how people present themselves. So if you see a guy who's walking down the street and he's got, like, really baggy clothing and he's got, say, uh, let's say Kanye's, Kanye West's uh, shoe line on and he's got some gold chains and... The guy's loaded. I want to be his friend. You know, he's, he's got a cool watch, but, you know, super baggy shirt. You know, he looks like a rapper. He looks like he's really into kind of, like, rap and stuff. And let's say he's black. You can probably assume he's in the rap. You know, I don't think you have to... I don't think it's racist to make that assumption, but it's the same way if, if you see some person walking down the street and they have pink hair, which is like, you know, up in these spikes mm-hmm. and they have like, like a, you know, like, like one of those kind of a choke collars on fishnet stockings and a weird skirt and stuff. You can assume they're into punk. They're trying, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they're telegraphing who they are and what they're about. I don't think the problem is in assumptions because assumptions are automatic. They're not something that you can help. I think the problem is your actions based on those assumptions yep. and the way that you treat a person based solely off of what you see or what you think you know about them. Yep. I think that's pretty well put. And and that that applies to like why, I mean, sometimes like the overly liberal use like the phrase like microaggressions. Have you heard that phrase before? Yeah, I watch South Park. <laughs> um, and I, th- I think it, it goes with that where, you know, sometimes this, this, act of uh trying to compensate you can make someone uncomfortable doing uh, based on whatever characteristics they have but your compensation of like um whatever you whatever you may feel instead of just uh i guess being unfiltered and i guess in some cases it may come out worse but uh at the end of the day it's it's how you're making that person feel if you're making them feel uncomfortable based on a trait they can't control or has nothing may, might have nothing to do with them. Well, let's, let's say I'm i I'm a Canadian citizen, right? And I've lived my whole life in Canada and every British person I've ever met in my entire life has been a wicked asshole. Mm. And, uh, let's say I'm like 40 years old. Every British person I've ever met, I've met hundreds of them. They've all been assholes. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I I see a British person. Is it fair to assume, based off of my entire forty year experience, that that person is going to be an asshole? I think your biology—that's that's like a mechanism inside of us. Is so it, for me? It depends on what you mean by fair. Is it fair from a an instinctual? I, maybe that's what Jesus is getting at with the biology. Is, it, I think is it is, is it, it wrong? Is it it's it's Pavlov Pavlovian conditioning there. Mm-hmm. So, if you show a, ch- a child a uh, a white rabbit, and every time you show him the white rabbit, you shock the child. You know, if you do that for enough re- iterations, soon the child does fear white rabbits. You mm-hmm. know, the, the, it's an instinctual kind of thing. If every time you see a British person, you have a terrible experience, then every time you see a British person after that, you're gonna be like, oh God, this is a fucking ass. Like. You're going to prejudge that assumption there. Now, the question is, is that assumption rational? And that's why I think it's important to delve into yourself psychologically and kind of ask yourself, am I right about this you know, general group of people? You might, qu- you might possibly be right or at least be right in some sense because maybe the way British people behave on a cultural level in general is much different than Americans or Canadians in your example and there's a kind of a clash of cultures there where they happen not to get along because maybe we're too polite and they're a bit more uh, to themselves. Hmm. So there might be some reason or mechanism for why that abrasion happens, or maybe it's just your sample size is low enough to not actually make that generalization, but, you know, what else do you have to go off of? So I think we have to understand that 
to really have an accurate perception, we have to extend our sample size beyond that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't think we're wrong to make that assumption that, or make that judgment in our head. I don't think it's wrong to have that thought. Like, oh man, every British person I've seen is an asshole. They're all assholes, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I don't people, think... people are like that with French Canadians around here. They are assholes, though. <laughs> I mean... Ask, ask a Canadian, they'll tell you. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I, I, but that's the point, right? That, that sort of well, so, your gut instinct was like, well, they all are. I mean, I th- it's it's more like tourists in general, though, are assholes because mm-hmm. tourists don't really care about where they're going, and they kind of speak different languages, mm-hmm. and so don't know much English. And I don't know if they don't bother to do their research, but uh, you know, in, in tipping, like in America, it's like ten percent at least. Ten, you know, ten percent is very minimum. In Canada, tipping's not much of a thing. It, it's it's kind of nice, but you know, a lot of places you don't tip in Canada. Mm-hmm. So usually, when you go to a place, you kind of research the tipping the policy because you don't want to tip in Japan, for instance. In uh, Mexico, you tip some amount and stuff, but French Canadians or Canadians and tourists in general, they don't tip at all. Or mm-hmm. in Mexico, you tip the police. <laughs> <laughs> on the drug deal going down the street. <laughs> yes. No, no, they they come up, they're like, oh, do you have your papers? And like, let, you're doing a good job. Let me give you a tip. All right, listen here, Pablo. <laughs> let me give you a tip. <laughs> <laughs> um, But anyways, like, to, to go to that point with the French Canadians in our area is, um, you know, you see a French Canadian tourist, they very well could have been someone who has done their research who is planning to tip but um you know maybe that's the rational side like oh this is an individual and they might break the mold um but it doesn't stop you from saying like oh fuck this guy is probably gonna not tip me and they're they're a jerk and i don't know if it's about tourists in general i mean to make a generalization another generalization i don't know how offensive this is but um I think Asian tourists, uh, on the whole, are, you know, pretty. Um, what's the word uh, I'm looking for? Polite. Sexy. Oh, <laughs> sexy. Never mind. <laughs> no, they're 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 generally uh, educate themselves about the places they're going, and they're pretty polite. That's offensive. I mean, part of that though might be kind of what I'm saying with Canadian tourists. Canadian tourists feel like they're not. Uh, they're not that different from you know themselves. We're not that different from them, which which is true. Mm-hmm. But we are a bit different, especially in certain ways. And tipping is one of those ways. So people who are from Asia coming to the U.S. they realize we're way different. Like these cultures are like totally different, especially yeah. Japan. Like Japan is a completely different culture than here. Like so much so, and so you have to do a lot more research into the differences because you realize you're different. But if you're kind of the same pretty close you don't do much research into you know what you think is yourself you're like oh fuck it i'll just wing it mm-hmm. and then you're just an asshole to all the uh, servers and waiters at restaurants yeah but i'm sure there i mean probability is that there is like a you know uh considerate french canadian tourist probably probably somewhere they probably have some server in their family in the u.s and they yell at them every time they come down you better fucking tip Mm. interesting that uh the topic of taboo inevitably turned towards racism well Uh, you know it is a taboo topic it is but it's becoming less and less of a taboo topic as as the world grows and or at very least our world grows um and we we start to realize that maybe some of these things we've been doing for last hundred years isn't great i mean and some sometimes it can be a bummer there 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 are a lot of people uh who would say to us like three straight white men have no business talking about racism they have nothing to offer and and no um experience or perspective that's even worth listening to yeah racism is such a bummer sometimes yeah, God. God. I hate being white. I'm going to say, I'm going to, based off of that, I'm going to say something that most people are going to find offensive and be very mad about. And that's that, that me as a straight white man in this day and age, is, are, I'm the single, the single most, uh, like, 
looked down upon and I have to walk, I have to like hold my tongue. I'm the most, what, what's it called? Um, discriminated against of, I'm the most discriminated against as a single white male, single as, <laughs> as a white male, straight white male. I am the most discriminated against in this day and age in America. In, I, I would say like in our culture in New England, where where most of us are liberals and, um, you know, we're, we're pretty free living and we respect people's rights and we're fine with people doing whatever they want. And then uh, I think our perspective is like, well, why are you coming down on us? We're not an enemy. Like we're, we're just for everyone living their lives. There, there are words that I'm not allowed to use. There are, there are groups of people that I, I'm not the N word. I'm not even allowed to like, like associate myself with. There are things that I'm not allowed to do just because I'm a straight white man. Mm-hmm. If a if a if a, a black man and myself have the same exact credentials, the same exact resume. And we both apply for a job. He will get the job over me simply because he's black. Oh, affirmative action is certainly a thing. And, uh, I mean, a good example, I'm going to keep things pretty anonymous, but I had two good friends uh, at the college. One of them was black or half black and one of them was white. And the white person, they both applied to UMO and the white guy had better grades. He was a better student. And... um, you know, sure enough, my black friend got a $3,000 extra scholarship. Mm. So, I mean, that is to say that me, as a straight white man, is I'm the single most discriminated against type group of person in the world. Well, we have some disadvantages. And I would say in, like, in a place like in our world in Maine, certainly. I, uh, I, I Hold on. Let me get my tongue out of my cheek. <laughs> It's uh, kind of been stuck in there recently. Yeah, I I feel always kind of alienated might be the word mm-hmm. from these kind of discussions because, I mean, the whole concept of identity is a little strange to me. And it, it's probably because I'm a bit of an outsider in general. Uh, that's how I used to be in high school, particularly. I'm a bit more social now, like, I, you know, but the idea that I identify as straight I identify as white or identify as any kind of group characteristic is kind of strange to me. Like, I don't, like, am I male? Yes. Do I identify as a male? I don't. Do I, I want to be female? Like, like, I don't really consider myself a male. Like, if you ask me, do I have a penis? Do I have this? Like, to me, that's what male means. Like, it's mm-hmm. a collection of properties within me, my XY chromosomes and stuff. But am, do I feel male? Do I, like, do I consider myself a male? I don't. It's not really something I think about. It's not really. Mm. I don't really have this group characteristic in my head that I'm a part of this group called males or men, and I identify with this. Same with white. So, I mean, if you ask me what my skin color is, it's it's obviously white. That's a property of my body, of course. Do I identify as white though? No, no, I don't identify with a with a racial group at all. I am white, of course. Mm. And people would say I act very white, which, you know, I, I think is as far as like a question of behaviors, I think white would be very applicable to myself. Mm. But do I identify as being a white person? No, no, I, I don't really see identification as being a thing. I Like, t- to me, maybe I'm a bit more open with what I am in the sense of I don't really classify myself as I am this, I am that, I am this. Rather, I'm just kind of this weird collection of weird, stupid parts that kind of fit together somehow and kind of rumble about random shit. Do you feel alienated when people do put that identity on you? I feel like it's like, uh, like you ever have someone tell you what your opinion is about something? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is what you think. And you're like, I'm not really like, I'm sure people think like that. I'm sure you could talk to like someone else and they might think like that. But it, this is like I kind of feel like an alien, kind of, kind of coming in, and people telling you what what what's like to be an alien and stuff. And it's like this isn't really something that goes through my head. I'm not really think like, uh, yeah, yeah, you're you are right. I, I I am white. I'm just kind of like, well, yeah, my my skin's white, but like 
white as being a part of me is not really a thing. Although maybe you could say it's so ingrained in me that it's just like a fish in water. Well, I think there's a lot of cultural sound where um, some people who otherwise might be like you uh, feel the pressure to think about those identities that, uh, you know, maybe are, are part of their subconscious. And, you know, I, I feel some people definitely... Uh, have grown based on cultural noise to chastise themselves for one identity or another. Chastise in what way? Like, uh, you know, be ashamed of being white. Like, what a, what part of my whiteness is making me think this way? What, py- what part of my maleness is making me think that way? Like, they've been um, taught to start thinking that, thinking like that just from, you know, what's the... the a certain social climate, at least in America right now. You know what grinds my gear the most about being a guy is that when that whole argument that used to be this huge thing about putting the toilet seat down, like oh, what? That's so fucked. That whole the whole concept makes no sense. Like fuck men, they don't put the toilet seat down. Like fuck women, they don't put the toilet seat up. It's just shit in the to, toilet. It's just as easy to say that. Like I think I had uh, yeah I had that I had that argument once. Uh, another, th- I mean, like I'm not too into a lot of this uh, online kind of stuff. I mean, kind of am. I like researching it, I like this online kind of uh, gender politics kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the one that I really don't like, the only the one that I'm, I'm really like feel like would argue against is the whole thing of man, not mansplaining. Uh, what, what's it called? Like the uh, man spreading. There we go, man spreading. So I guess like uh, on trains, it's common for guys to have their legs out kind of wide and take up a lot of space, which it is kind of inconsiderate to some degree, of course. But uh, a lot of men can't help it because they've got balls and some people are just built in the way where if their legs are kind of tight like this, you know, if, if you could see me, I'm putting my legs together, like you can't crush your balls. And so guys tend to have more open kind of leg position. And I, I only like am kind of annoyed with that because I don't have that problem now. I don't know where if, when I put my legs together, I don't know where my balls go to be honest. But in in the past, like when I was going through puberty, when my balls dropped at at that one point, it, it was the most awkward kind of like six months of my life because I there's no way I could stand without having my legs like so far apart where it wouldn't just kill. It would just hurt all the time. Like my balls are just constant pain. Men are such sluts on trains, just spreading their legs for everyone. I think that the problem there that people have isn't that their their legs are open to be comfortable. It's it's in way different situations, like when they're taking up two seats worth of space because they're spreading their legs so wide, and there's an old lady standing because of this, or something along those lines. It's it's much less about the act itself or at the very least originally, was much less about the act itself and much more about the inconsideracy. Now, maybe that's morphed to be just the act itself now, and if that's the case, then it's finally come full circle to itself being disgusting, the fact that people are disgusted by it, uh, as everything eventually does, as it comes full circle to not be an issue eventually. But the the being considerate, I think, is the the whole thing in the first place, and that gets back to my point about the toilet seat being like, yeah, okay, so women are saying that men aren't being considerate in putting it down when they're done using it, but how can they feasibly make that argument when they're doing the same thing to us? Um, I was actually talking with my girlfriend about this issue recently, or this idea. I don't know if it's much of an issue, really. Um, but she was saying. And I, I kind of agreed with it that it's rare. And I, I think the problem is, is again, like this identifying all men under sort of one umbrella. Um, but there is this personality type of like that, you know, uh, macho man has to like make himself known when he walks into the room. He has to sit down and and to have a certain stature. So I, I do I do believe that this is or can be a problem from just some douchebag being inconsiderate, trying to, you know, express bravado. But, um, but I don't think it's like a general problem. I do think that in most cases, 
the guys are innocent and they're just trying to let their balls air out. But doesn't everybody find somebody who's obnoxiously inconsiderate to be a dick? Like, yeah. Why does it have mm. to become like a, a race thing or a gender thing yeah. or something that divides us? As there are people? only two genders. Oh, God. Anyway, anyway, Big and small. So two two classic genders. I think <laughs> I think part of the logical problem with the the topic of man spreading as well is that it can, like you guys are saying, it can extend to other inconsideracies which are equally as bad you know so you know it's often women tend to carry purses and they will tend sometimes they'll instead of putting the purse on their lap they'll have put it next to the seat mm-hmm. you know and there might be the same kind of situation where there's some old grandma that kind of you know kind of standing up and who really needs to sit down because she's old and frail but you know this girl just has an extra you know place for her purse so that, that that's something. Maybe someone who has a toddler or a kid, and they have the uh, you know instead of putting the uh, baby down on the you know the train, they put it up on the seat, which I think is less inconsiderate, more considerate for the child. Come on, people, put your baby on the floor. But then you can start getting into different kind of things. So you know, people with uh, let's, let's say fat people, very, people who are very obese who just take up more room because that's how they're built. So uh, it's it, how they choose to be built. You know, is it inconsiderate? Them? Is it inconsiderate for them to take out two spaces, you know, on the seat where you know it'd be less of a say social social cost for them to stand up and have say two people sit sit down? It, you know, it, there's all these like dumb weird kind of things you can get into, or say people who have certain kind of a uh, like say 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 someone's really nervous and you know they need to sit down because they have a kind of a nervous issue, like an anxiety issue, and they can't have anybody next to them, so they need their space. Is it really wrong for that person to take that? But that's just like psycho- that's a psychological thing you can't really get into. So I, I think it, it's really, it opens up a can of worms getting into this kind of issue when you start identifying one group of people. Because if this one group of people doing this is wrong, then you start nitpicking what everything else. Mm. It, I, I don't think it's... It, the issue doesn't come from the nuanced, like in this specific situation where there's this thing that's kind of like iffy, it's a 50-50, it could be bad. It could. I think the issue is when it's like an obvious, like, like you're just being an asshole. Like that's where the issue comes in. And, um, I, I mean, the people who are, who are taking up more space than they need to take up on a train when there's other people who should be sitting down like just get over yourself look around you realize that there's a whole world around you not just you and uh do do the right thing do the social thing the cutoff age for respect for me is like 57 and you know i'm on a uh, war against the elderly and she needs to learn how to stand she does not belong in the seats like us young people if you can't stand, get a walker. Your time is passed. It's not my responsibility to give up my seat because you don't have a back. Shouldn't have lifted all those boxes with your back, lady. Use your legs. <laughs> your time is passed, you old bat. Uh, to respond to Steve, so I'll try to be a little more articulate in my... So, so there's certain things that we can't see, you know, with a person... And it's, it's, we don't want to make those assumptions about a person, why a person's acting in a particular way. So you might see someone on the train who kind of has their legs all spread out and stuff. And you might assume there's being some sort of asshole because they kind of look like maybe cocky or maybe a bit confident. But you don't know if how the brawls are actually kind of configured. And you're assuming that they're just doing that because they're an asshole. But maybe they have such a configuration where they have to do that otherwise their brawls get squished. Or maybe they have they had just had surgery somewhere and they're really tired and they, they look all right and they maybe on some drugs or maybe this is how they are. And... But, you know, the surgery, they have to kind of, you know, stand open because it's really painful to be like that. Like with the anxiety example, someone might have lots of anxiety and can't be near people. So they take kind of a corner seat and kind of take up some space because otherwise they get kind of like nervous when they start clenching down on themselves. Those are the exception, though. And they could be transgender. Right. Big vagina in there. But my, my, my point is you can't get into the heads of there. So there's the exceptions, but you can't know they're the exception without actually delving into them and making the judgment from the off, you know, from the uh, point of view of just looking at them, observing. You can't know what their actual circumstance is. So you're ascribing things which actually may not be the case about them, which I think is the problem. 
Well, then they need to wear a name tag or a sign around their neck <laughs> that says, I'm not an asshole, I just had ball surgery. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm not an asshole, I'm just transgender and have a vagina. <laughs> exactly. See, I think that's that in itself is, is a very taboo thing to say. Um, I think that Gideon has been breaking the taboo mold this whole episode. And it's really kind of, you know, talking about taboo things is in itself taboo, but it's also freeing to do so. And I think it's really important that we continue to talk about things that are taboo and kind of bring them to light. Because who knows, maybe you just had ball surgery. That was the one-year anniversary episode of We Need to Talk. Now, if you want to tell us how it was, go to Twitter, we're at WNTT1. Or, if you prefer, you can go to Facebook at We Need to Talk Show. You know, let us know how we did, topics we should discuss later, guests we should have on. And, of course, until next time, 